So, here's Florian from 99 Startups. I'm today here with the CEO of the Metro AG, Olaf Koch. So, thank you that you're here. I'm very happy to participate. So, my first question is, uh, how do you think about innovation? Well, innovation, I mean, is, is everything. Uh, we, are, we are in trade, and that means that we need to be curious every day in how we can serve independent uh, entrepreneurs better. As you know, we are a wholesale company, predominantly, and we are serving small entrepreneurs run restaurants, uh, grocery stores, and uh, it's not good enough just to do the same that you did yesterday. You always need to go for more. You lead like a 150,000 people company, right? Mm -hmm. How you make sure that like the needs which are like at, uh, at your customer base coming really up until the, the management level? That they really are understood. I think that there are a couple of uh, things that play a role in this. Number one is, um, I think in today's world, you need to give people a meaning, a purpose. You need to you need to explain why are we doing it. In our case, I think it's it's very nice because yes. it's something good. Yeah. So if we make a restaurateur more successful, we contribute to the financial success. We contribute to the family. We contribute to the customer of uh, the, this person. Um, that's something that inspires people, and we do not only invite, we empower our people on the shop floor and in the country organization um, to make a change for good for these customers. So it's a, it's a behavioral thing. It's a cultural thing. The other one is we have uh, started to systematically analyze customer satisfaction uh, six years ago with our own tool. Um, yeah. So we measured how happy are customers and what disturbs them. And we use that uh, as well as kind of advisory for change. And we meanwhile rolled out the net promoter score uh, mechanics into all our entities. And that has become a leadership uh, principle that the net promoter score is guiding the way in regard of how we need to adjust for more customer satisfaction. Okay, so you're driven by feedback from your customers. Absolutely. We are, we are I mean, we, we say we are customer-centric and we live up to it in the way we address the purpose of the company. And the, and, the, and the culture we want to live up to, and also the, the mechanics and the systematics uh, we are applying in leadership. So you said like you try to empower your employees on the, on the ground floor. The best version of our business is when you work as an associate in our, in our store and you feel I can make a difference. I can make a difference. I can take the time to have a conversation with you. I can guide you. And that's the privilege of wholesale. We have much less customers, but they spend much more time with us and they spend much more money with us. So therefore, I can entertain a conversation. When you come to the fruit and veg department, ideally, not with everybody, because not everybody wants to have that, but ideally, we have conversations with many of them and tell them, this is the season, this is a new product, new origin, this is more healthy. If you combine it with these spices, that's how you can make a better menu and these things. Yeah. Do you have a practical example, like when you started to make this change in this direction, how you like started the change, like which techniques or which advice or which which uh, freedom or which directly um, empowerment tools you gave to your employees? That's a very good question. And um, now this answer could be very, very long. I try to keep it short. No, take your time. <laughs> take, with the same, like, with the feedback, take your uh, time. See, this company has been very successful in standardization. Metro has been uh, achieving great successes because a store model, yeah. a marketing model, a supply chain model worked very well, made a lot of money, was replicated into many countries, and again, and again, and again. So, in fact, 
when we were entering a new country, uh, people would get a standard description how the business should look like, and then it was replicated. Yeah. That started to become less successful uh, mid of last decade, um, as there was more competition, and the real change of the internet is not e-commerce. The real change is the balance of power of information shifted towards the consumer. Yeah. Before it was the trader, the yeah. retailer, and the wholesaler who had all the information, and you barely knew is the price good, is the product good, is the service good. Today they know everything. Yeah. So if you are not responding to that uh, new paradigm, you fail, and we failed. We started to lose sales, we started to lose earnings. So in 2012, um, the first thing was again to ask what's our reason to exist? Yeah. And at the time, replication. And profit generation was the reason to exist. Now, we're a public listed company. Profit generation is very important. Yeah. But replication will not be the trick. Yeah. So at that time, it took a while, actually, in the discussions to say, well, the only reason to exist is we add a value to customer. Yeah. If we don't add value to customers, we will disappear. Yeah. It might take a bit of time, a bit longer or shorter. We'll see, but we'll disappear. So in 2012, that was the change in saying generating customer value is our core principle. We turned that in every business we had. We had four different divisions at the time. And in the wholesale business, we took it even further and we said, our reason to exist is we are champion for independent business. Yeah. So we want to be the partner people connotate with success in the various countries. And then we noticed, well, and this is not one fits all because we have two main target groups, independent hospitality, hotels, restaurants, catering, yeah. and independent traders. But the countries are very different. Yeah. So Metro Italy is very different to what we are doing in Turkey yeah. or in France. So you need to find the local version and you need to empower a local management team to exactly say, okay, in Italy, it's also hospitality. In Romania, it's independent trade. Yeah. The business model of Metro will be adjusted accordingly and therefore, we will be much more relevant for these target groups. Sounds easy and was very demanding because of much discovery. We had to learn a lot. New behavior, new leadership. People were not used to get this empowerment. Yeah. And you need to take people along that journey. Um, and of course, the fear of failing. Yeah. Fear of failing uh, when you make an adjustment, there's a risk. And we had to give people the comfort, say, listen, if we fail, that's fine as long as we notice quick yeah. and we then adjust. And um, apparently this worked out well because now we are growing like for like since more than four years. Yeah. Um, and this is only on the back of more relevance country by country. So do you have some examples what you learned there? You said like you learned a lot in the process of changing. Yeah. Let's take two examples. One, independent hospitality. Uh, when the Italian team started to really look into it, uh, they noticed that certain products were just not there, were, yeah. were missing. Um, give you a simple example. We, we of course, want to serve also the smaller hotels, yeah. uh, the, the, the postals, the small, yeah. the small people that have a, a couple of rooms. And... When you go there and you've been there, I've been there, and you go for a, a, a breakfast, um, we all enjoy Nutella, right? Yeah. Um, this is sorry for that. No, I've had that. There's all, also other stuff. We, 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 like, we, we, we like we like we like the <laughs> chocolate on your bread. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> um, 
And have you ever seen that that is being served in a jar, in a in a postal or an hotel? Um, I think it was recently like a little, little, little... With a little, little cup, but yeah. it, like 99% have the small pack, yeah. which you open and... Yeah, exactly. it's. I think the trend will go to the small uh, portion that you can take out of the it jar, be but better, yeah. the, the general trend uh, until now has been the small pack. And we notice we don't have it in the assortment. Okay. And this was a, it's a classic one where we go to the business, we talk to the guys, we discover, we take uh, notice, we take the data, we go back into our business, and then we adjust the assortment. And the guys were so enthusiastic about that that they actually started to discover solutions. Yeah. So a solution is um, in Italy you have many small cafes which are even smaller than the half of this room yeah. where the guy has a counter and has an oven in the back and yeah. the coffee machine. Yeah. And people enjoy to have the espresso, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and he offers croissant and small bakery. But he cannot stock up. Yeah. He doesn't have a warehouse. Uh, he has the small room. So the guys notice, okay, how many croissants fit in a general oven in Italy? 16. Okay, why don't we pack 16 in a private label offering and make sure that uh, every cafe gets noticed that we have that. It's one of the best-selling products we have. It's a solution. Because you have that many packs that you sell a day, but you open them, put them in the oven, there you are, yeah. 16. Um, and having discovered this, we noticed, well, it's about solution, and solution is learning, our learning, yeah. and learning for the customer. So we opened an academy yeah. in Milano. Meanwhile, we have uh, an academy in Milano, and we have now dozens of academies across the, the metro portfolio where we train uh, chefs, how to get the best outcome out of the ingredients with the yeah. lowest uh, range of waste. Yeah. We inspire them. We bring international chefs and we make events so that yeah. they get access to the most uh, admired chefs. Yeah. And those are big changes in, in, in hospitality. And by the way, we then a few years ago started to go into digital, uh, yeah. which we can uh, talk about later on. Totally different story. Independent trader. An independent trader runs a store that could be as big as this office. Yeah. And he has a very crucial function because he's serving the neighborhood. Yeah. Especially in Central Eastern Europe and in Asia, they are a large part of trade. Yeah. So up to one third of the trade is done by these independent people. Now, these guys um, quite often don't have the capacity to, to understand the modernization of ranges. Yeah. <clears throat> so we offered consulting. Yeah. It's a trader support and partnership program. We come to your place, we take photos, we write everything down that we can observe, and then we come back, and then we say, change the sequence of range, yeah. introduce new ranges, especially non-food product, yeah. commodities, good margin. And doing this, we notice we can even go further and offer you a brand, yeah. which is an independent franchise. You stay independent, but we now give you a brand. You will enjoy better marketing effectiveness, modernization or merchandising, and all kinds of things. In return, of course, we ask you to spend more of your wallet in the metro uh, portfolio. And those are two examples how the, the whole attitude of our business has changed from upstream supply chain, deliver products into a store and try to replicate the transaction, into customer centricity, living with a customer and developing solutions. Yeah. And of course, you, you tell them this advice is because you know what's selling best. 
what makes him more revenue or makes him more profit. And that's the main reason why you give him the advice to do it that and that way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it sounds like we, we are we are the salvation army for independent entrepreneurs. Of course we are not, we're business people. Yeah. But we know that if we give something first yeah. and that has an impact positive, yeah. it will have uh, consequentially a positive impact yeah. for our business. Yeah. Cool. So do you give this upfront as well? Like, do you just say, okay, I give you a trial of that, what we do here, and if you don't like it, we, we take it off again, and if you like it, you keep it, and then you pay it? Or do they need to pay upfront? Um, on, the, on those advisory services, um, the training and uh, this trader support and partnership program, it is uh, free of charge. Yeah. Uh, these things we are doing without charging. Um, the franchise is an investment, but essentially it's an investment into your store format. Yeah. It's, but it's not huge. It's a it's a few thousand euro, yeah. um, and there's no fee. Uh, what we ask for is a commitment that certain ranges will be replenished yeah. through the Metro Channel. Cool. So you have an interesting story because uh, you founded your own uh, startup IT company in 1996, mm -hmm. and you left a like really big company during this time to do that. So what was your motivation during that time to do that? Um, my motivation was freedom. I wanted to be free. I wanted to do my, my own thing. And um, I had the, the blessing that uh, the time was very fast on innovation. At the time, network computing was on the rise. Uh, local area networks were on the rise. Uh, the internet uh, in the first half of the 90s really came to full extent yeah. with the World Wide Web uh, showing up. Um, and while I was very curious about that, I'm a Commodore 64 kid, so I, I grew up with computers. Um, I engaged a lot in that. I started to write books on, on technology. Yeah. I started to provide training. Um, and while I noticed that, I noticed I can run a business. I can make a business out of that. So there was a vacuum. Yeah. There was lack of uh, uh, capability in the market. And I took the chance to then go for independence. Yeah. So, and uh, why... Why did you stop it? Like, why did you stop it on one point and went back to a big company? Yeah. If you probably have, would have asked me in 1997, would I ever go into a role in a group? I certainly would have said never. Yeah. Um, but one of my uh, projects actually was with a very large firm in the automotive space. Yeah. And we developed, um, it sounds very martial, but it was the, the name of the game at the time, a war room, which is... Um, um, a, um, an infrastructure where you collect as much intelligence as possible from internal system mm. and, and external media yeah. to help decision making yeah. and uh, we conceptualized that we, 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 we developed that and at some point in time I was asked by the client uh, whether I would like to run that entity yeah. and that was very tempting and on the sa uh, same token I, I also knew I, there's still some stuff I want to learn Yeah. how to properly run that business which I founded so my conclusion was I will go there for two years and then come back yeah and um, then everything came different so did you did you sell your company or did you got acquired or did you just yeah, well, I, yeah. well I I got into a, a, let's say a sequence of uh, opportunities at Daimler at the okay. time um, where after entering the company um, a few days later, the merger with Chrysler was announced, oh, and okay. I could play a role in the PMI team. Yeah. I thereafter was assigned uh, to work on the 
e-commerce uh, strategy with the business entities. I then was asked to take care about uh, that program on a corporate level for, for two years. And when I was asked that, I noticed you cannot serve two things. Yeah. It's, uh, it's never good. Uh, you're, you're sacrificing both, actually. You're, you're damaging both. And then I sold the company in 2000. <clears throat> But you run it all the time on the side. Like you worked for the big companies and you still run your, your startup or like your, your IT company. I handed it over at the time. I, okay. I had a managing director and I was not involved in day-to-day -day okay. business anymore. I, at the time, I was then kind of a, just a shareholder. And of course, my expectation was that 2000, I would go back and then yeah. I had to make my assessment. And yeah, makes sense. What did you learn about the process to, to found a company? Uh, well, I think the... It, The freedom is what motivates you. Uh, the open horizon, everything's possible, is what uh, inspires you. Uh, the first results encourage you. And then the naive belief, I'm my own boss, I'm in control, it's going to be freedom also in, in spare time, is really naive. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really naive. So you spend seven days working instead yeah. of uh, the five to six and, um, That's one. The other one is everything you learn before about doing accurate business planning, um, accounting and tax. Uh, yes, you get your people who help you on that. And then still you find yourself growing into significant revenue, spending significant money, and then you get the, the tax bill and you say, hmm. Ah. <laughs> so there are, I think the, the, the classic things um, that you tend to ignore yeah. because you're so much consumed by making the business grow um, is something which I which I yeah suffered from as well like others yeah it's like for the German listeners uh, the word selbstständig means like you, you need to work all the time if you directly translate it yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you could you bring over like what are your learnings of your knowledge from the, the startup world you could bring over to the to the corporate world Because I think you're definitely during this time also like a complete unique perspective, like to had to run your own company and then went back to a big company. Let me, let me focus. I think there, there are many things I learned, and um, I think two remain principles I, I, tend, I, I want to follow, I want to live up to. The first one is uh, the curiosity. Yeah. Um, because opportunities don't pop up by themselves. Uh, you need to be curious. You need to ask the next question, the next question, and get as much uh, insights and, and always challenge where's the next opportunity when you're running your own business. Um, and this is something I really enjoy, curiosity and learning and, and getting new inspiration. I dare to say in all my different functions I, I followed, I had the same principle. The other one is um, if it's your own company, every single year you spend, you turn five times, yeah. at least, yeah. if not more. Yeah. Uh, you don't have the temptation to make a short flight on business yeah. because um, why should you? Yeah. Um, so you, 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 you look for cost efficiency because the principle is your money. Yeah. Um, and why should that be different when you work for a corporation? Yeah, it should be the same yeah. um, because uh, there, there is no argument just because of rank and function um, to allow yourself for 
expenses which are not justifiable if you were a startup uh, executive. That's interesting. Can you teach that? Like, out of a startup perspective, everyone who worked in a startup or had their own startup? Of course, definitely. Mm. But if you're in a big company, everything is grown, everything is structured, is on, defined yeah, on processes. It, you know, it starts with, um, I think it starts with uh, the setup here. It starts with uh, the, the space you, you uh, claim for yourself. It uh, goes, uh, what kind of uh, extra services uh, you, you, you claim? And I'm not enjoying extra services, um, and I would not. Was that there before? Yeah, it was there before. But um, I, I think in today's world, this is, um, it's not possible to tell people, let's look on cost efficiency, and especially in wholesale. Every single euro we spend, we spend on behalf of our customers. Yeah. And therefore, if we then say, hey, let's be cost efficient, and we allow for private jets and um, yeah. all kinds of uh, privileges, people will say, oh, that's interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, that's, that's not possible. Yeah. Makes sense. So, how you define digitalization? How do I define digitalization? Um, in, in also here, I start with a benefit we have being a, a wholesale denominated company. Um, understanding that data is not a functional outcome of a system, mm. but in fact is uh, the the basis for all of our decisions, uh, turning data into information and then into knowledge. Um, fortunately enough has been a principle at Metro before yeah. because uh, Metro has been pioneering new technology with my predecessors uh, doing a lot of that in innovation digitalization therefore starts with us we need yeah. to make sure that our own business model um, is more and more living up to the opportunity of the next version of digital and that is um, of course in our store operations that is in delivery that includes essentially all associates, like the driver, the driver that comes and delivers product to a customer, still in many places today has a huge amount of paperwork. In the year 2018, it's not justifiable. That's why we now have a driver app. Everything can be done digitally. But the even bigger opportunity is when you then take the view, well, can I see an opportunity in digitalizing my customers? On the end consumer side, it's not necessary to have the discussion. The evidence that e-commerce has taken the markets by storm and that today every consumer is digital through the smartphone is a fact. I yeah. mean, it will never change. Yeah. Is that the same in wholesale? And the answer is not really. Of course, everybody has a smartphone, but yeah. mostly for private consumption. Yeah. The use of technology in small business to optimize the business is rarely found. That's why uh, we looked into this very closely because, of course, the first question was, could it be that there is nothing? Yeah. And if there's nothing, why is it so? And we found out, no, there's a lot. There are a lot of creative people who have started to work on this and trying to understand, how can I make a restaurateur more successful? How can I make a cafe more successful? But still then, why is it that people are not really using it? Yeah. And we found a couple of um, explanations for it. The first one really is um, people are so passionate of ser about serving yeah. and inspiring their clients that they rarely pay attention on technology. Yeah. And sometimes even there is no, yeah, there, there has been no background on tech. And quite often there has been no background on business administration. Yeah. That's one. 
The second is a lot of people are suspicious. So you come to me and make a, a proposal. Yeah. Quite often that doesn't turn out well because yeah. um, I find out later that it costs me quite some money. Yeah. So I now do some table reservation and I need to pay for every reservation. Yeah. Hmm. Before you called me, I didn't pay. Yeah. Um, I now do some uh, dining-in service and I need to pay a significant fee. Hmm. So there's a connotation it's expensive um, yeah. and it doesn't do good to my bottom line. And then the third one is uh, sheer, the sheer amount of time available to reconsider the business and, of course, as well, language. Yeah. We are, as you know, we, we are supporting a lot of startups yeah. and some of them are so brilliant that you would say this sells itself. Yeah. And still, when they approach a customer, the language they speak is not the language our customer understands. Yeah. So if they come and say, hey, I have this function, that, and this will do that good to your business, quite often our customers say, you want a coffee? Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I think Metro can make the difference. Because we have 21 million SME customers in our database. We have yeah. more than 7,000 people on the street every day. If we go and talk to Paolo and say, hey, Paolo, there is a value that you can get, have a look, because Gian Pietro is already using it. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. And we, we've learned that uh, over the course of the last two years. That's why we're now investing significant resources in building the platform for yeah. digitalization. That would be my next question. Like, how do you do digitalization or like IT transformation as a company which is not, has not that strength in IT? Like if I think on Metro, I don't think on on a digital company, an IT company. Yeah. Well, I think that that probably still is something we need to change also in the reputation. I, I dare to say, I think inside of Metro, there's a lot of digital innovation. Um, is it now the front end for our delivery uh, offer to, to B2B for food service distribution? Is it um, the marketplace uh, which we established at, at Real? We are offering 11 million articles now. Uh, we're growing more than 100% on GMV. Um, this is something which is, I think, way bigger than the outside observers um, have connotated. The, the other one is, over the last years, we have developed such an insight into digital innovation for SMEs that I dare to say we have now a unique range of solutions at hand. But we also have a unique understanding what does it take to get things into the market. Yeah. So would I say that we should uh, be the ones that develop the whole digital ecosystem for hospitality? I would never say that. I think that would not be sensible. Should we offer a platform for innovators to team up with us? I'm totally convinced about that. I'm fanatically convinced about that because we can offer a value to the customer. We can offer a value to the startup. And now we can also offer value to the venture capital firm because until now the sector has been less attractive than yeah. others because of lack of scale. Yeah. So if you, if you have this great idea, how do you get 10,000 customers? Knowing that customer acquisition cost is at 1,500 euros per customer. Not a good idea to ask for such a budget yeah. um, to the VC firm. But what if the customer acquisition cost is just a fragment, like yeah. 50 to 100 euro, because of using the platform that we are building. 
So are you concentrating on like giving just access to never companies and then like just be the the connector? We have two two ends. Um, one is exactly what you say, which is uh, we want to build the the community, and this community can only be built if we invest upfront into technology. So easy technology that has an immediate impact that comes at zero cost for you as entrepreneur, and there are no strings attached. Yeah. This is a uh, The, the website that we, we offer to restaurateurs, no matter whether they're Metro customers or not, which you can set up in 10 minutes and you can maintain very easily with your smartphone or your tablet. And it's integrated into social media um, automatically if you wish. There comes a free reservation tool alongside that you can use. And we wanted to uh, test whether we effectively can scale this in 2018. We aim for 50,000 users. This morning we surpassed 87,000. Okay. Right. And it's middle of the year. Yeah. So it looks like something's going on and we, we will do, of course, much more. The other side of the equation is we're investing in the fast forward solution space. Because we think once we have built the platform, it will be easier to deploy this and that tool to a number of customers out of that community. But eventually, Our customers should run their business like we run it based on data. And this is a, um, a cockpit solution which we developed called yeah. Gastro Cockpit, okay. where we take the data from the POS and then we show you productivity per dish, productivity per table, contribution margin per, per dish, the break-even function of your business. Yeah. And this, I'm totally convinced, is the precondition for independent hospitality in the next decade. If you don't recognize that data is essentially one of the, your best ingredients in your restaurant, the pressure on you will be huge. And yeah. we want to be the facilitator. We'll not own it, but we can facilitate this ecosystem. And of course we can benefit from that. Yeah. So you are kind of the Google Analytics for for restaurants. We are, we are kind exactly, of. No, exactly. We are, we are, we are we're developing an analytics capability for independent hospitality. Yeah. And clear, the chained ones already have it. Yeah. Uh, and they are doing this now for decades. Yeah. And we are bringing this capability to the independent guys. So did you make all this development in-house or did you kind of like do other IT companies do it for you? What was your tactic there? Um, on, on, on the tools that we run on our own behalf, uh, we have developed a critical capability meanwhile. We have... Um, It was a very small team, now it's roughly 100 people uh, that work in hospitality digital on tech. And we team up with a couple of uh, partners, uh, so we have not everything being coded within uh, hospitality digital. But that's our aim. For those things that we develop within Metro, um, we need to be in control. Also to find the next version of it and the next idea. Like the gastro cockpit as I say, is a very much advanced solution. You will not motivate every independent customer to use that. Yeah. But if you take the menu analytics, like I digitize your menu with your smartphone, yeah. I link it to the repository of recipes, yeah. and then I link that to the purchase price of the ingredients, I can show you the contribution margin per dish. Yeah. Very simple, rarely found. Yeah. But this is something we would carve out of the tool and give to a larger number of people because the benefit is uh, way easier to achieve. Yeah, so it's a simpler and more simplified version of it. Exactly. Yeah. 
So um, then, like next thing, <coughs> you got quite famous for your take the exit campaign, which was yeah, the tactic to get like a new IT people into yeah. Metro, <coughs> and it was quite unique because it was really brave. So I wondered if, I, as I saw that and I thought about it, what did you do? How you enabled it in your company that some such creative solutions are possible? The honest truth is I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> But I liked it a lot. Okay. I, I, lo I, I, did, I didn't like it. I loved it. Um, so the whole idea to go this way was developed by Timo and uh, the, the metronome folks. And they clearly... Uh, made the statement we need to be different we need to get eyeballs we need to you know wake up people um, so that we finally are back on the screen um, of options and uh, when they showed it to me of course people were a bit concerned would I then counter rule it and uh, no that's exactly what I like that you know the creativity and sometimes the provocative sometimes sometimes the sympathetic creativity comes from the many many places within metro like the own business day which we are conducting every second tuesday in october like the new campaign uh for for the brand we don't work for metro we work for paolo for olga yeah. for susanna um those are things I, i i like a lot and uh yeah sincere credit to the people who created it because i did not Okay, so it was like a, the marketing department uh, in Metro. The metronome, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just they are their own department, do yes. whatever they want, and they just no, come by. They want. Of course, we have rules and uh, we have uh, a code of conduct, and we we have our compliance rules and all of this. Uh, but in in that frame, there's free free work, yeah. uh, freedom in the framework. So, proper English. So, if I want to become as a young young. Uh, person, a CEO, what should I do? Never aspire to be one. Um, <laughs> just stay curious. I, I didn't okay. aspire to become a CEO. Certainly not. Um, I, I aspire to continue to learn, to see different industries. Um, I had the luck when I was running my own business. I then spent 10 years in automotive. Um, thereafter, I spent a few years in private equity where I could see totally different uh, industries And when I joined Metro, I joined as a CFO, um, and I enjoyed that role also because it was part of a transformation that failed at that time. And in the aftermath of that failure, um, yeah, I was asked whether I, I would take uh, the role, which I did, knowing that it will be a very demanding transformation. But I would always say, um, if if you 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 would say this is my only my only target, my only ambition is to get a rank and a title. I think you do the wrong com you make the wrong compromises. Yeah. So let's make it a bit more simpler. Like um, if I want to become a, um, a leading position in a in a big company, what should I do there? Like what should I do to become it, and how am I a good leader? Well, I, I would say this curiosity and, and, and fast learning capability that you can uh, work out solutions in complex situations, that you have the system capability, not from a tech back, background only, but that you understand systematically value creation and business models, I think is key. Um, I think, of course, you need to have courage. You need to dare. You need to take the risk. But you need to be known as somebody who takes a risk uh, in a conscious manner, in a sensible manner, so that the number of failures while you take risk is smaller than the number of successes. 
And <laughs> that's only always good. But if you don't dare, if you don't dare, and if you don't make yourself visible as somebody who dares, uh, there's no chance you can progress in your career. If you are the smartest guy in the room, but you're on mute, um, who should ever know? Yeah. That's why I also encourage people who like to comment cynically after meetings about one or the other decision. I say, you know, I I, I appreciate your your wisdom, but share it with other people. Otherwise, you will not make a career. And by the way, if you make this uh, too often, I don't think you are the right person in this organization because we need diversity of opinion. We need leadership in making decisions. But then once we decide it, we need alignment of making things happen and not uh, distortion. That's like interesting. I heard uh, from another podcast, I heard the theory that like in big companies, um, the decisions, decision-making process happening before the meeting, like for coffee and for talking before that with each property and then like in the meeting it's just everyone says yeah okay we do that so would you see kind of it's the same that's like kind of a, a thing of big companies that like it's so politics driven they're like well large organization let's be uh, frank large organizations no matter what they are companies um, administrations um, and of course parties are political yeah. i mean many people different opinions different interests and not always uh, linked on mutual benefit. I think that's very clear. Um, in very successful organizations, um, there's a tendency to, to come to command and control culture. And of course, the old leadership style of replication standardization also followed that principle. So if you say that uh, you, you want to get the best out of your teams, everybody needs to feel comfortable that you're open for diversity of opinion always in the adequate tone but people need to be ready to say I don't agree yeah. or I have a different view I have a different opinion and we we have that as part of our leadership principle um, and we do review whether our leaders are facilitating that because if they don't we are not taking the benefit of the many people who work in this organization. On the other hand, once we then, after having heard all the diversity of opinions, we then come to assessment and conclusion. I also tell people, then it's the ending time for debate. Yeah. Then we go. Of course, we will revisit when we notice things don't work out as we thought. Then we need to adjust, but uh, we cannot be a debate club. So we, yeah. we then need to make uh, sure we take decisions. Are we living up to that all the time? I I would not go that far. Are we having that on our radar of leadership principle? Um, definitely. And I review that with my peers every time when we do the half-year review and the full-year review. And in fact, we, we, we have a couple of those principles where we then say, if you don't live up to that as a leader, you will get support. You will get coaching. If you can't live up to it at all, find yourself another place. Yeah. Interesting. So do you track that down on a meeting or do you just recall it out of your mind or you just get a general feeling of because if you do half a half a year and like half a year reviews, that's quite like the a best long feedback distance. feedback you give is of course is, is right after. Yeah. It's the best feedback yeah. you give. Um, and then of course you observe people, you, you, you have your signals from peers uh, and yeah, um, The, the half-year and the full-year review is like a one- to two-hour conversation where you have more, more quality time to yeah. talk about these things. 
Awesome. So my second last question is, uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book uh, is uh, Rhinoceros um, of uh, Eugene Ionesco. Um, it's a quite telling book about how societies change. Oh, interesting. And then my last question. Um, if you could go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old or 30-year-old self, what would you tell to him? <laughs> um, don't plan anything because it all turns different. Uh, and like both, like to 20-year-old and to the 30-year-old? Or would you change what you... Um, no, I, I think we all, we all, of course, want to have uh, certainty and uh, we, we question what's going to happen and um, what we can do to lead to that or that other outcome. And it's important. I mean, I'm not saying just go wild and let things happen like they happen. No, um, I would always say have aspiration, um, be curious, and uh, have the portion of uh, courage uh, that will make you succeed. Yeah. And enjoy, it's even more important than succeed. Awesome. So thank you very much. Yeah, It was you. an absolute pleasure. And uh, see you next time, guys.